Rolls-Royce has coined ghost its purest expression yet. But what does that mean exactly? In this penultimate episode of our podcast, Elegance in Restraint, we examine how pairing back informs elegance, investigate why minimalism feels more relevant now than ever, and slice into the complex process of making things simple. I'm Johanna Agerman-Ross, design editor and curator, and this is Ghost Stories. To guide us, let's meet John Sims, the new Ghost plant project leader. John is the bridge between engineering and production at Goodwood. Throughout the rebuild, he captained a diverse set of engineers, craftspeople and quality experts, ensuring each delivered their piece of the puzzle with consummate precision. Long before the new Ghost, and even before he could drive, John was modifying and restoring any car he could get his hands on. Both my grandfather and my uncles went as far as they could to, towards bankrupting their respective families on spending everything they could on vehicles. And I guess I caught that bug at a fairly young age. As soon as I had an opportunity, I, I applied to work in a car factory in Oxford. So I've always known that I wanted to be involved in bringing cars to life. It's always been a, a childhood dream of mine. And, and yeah, you could say that I'm living that now. And how does the reality compare to that dream? I love it. Um, I never believed that I would be such an active part of shaping a brand and a product such as a Rolls-Royce. And actually to to have the opportunity as I've had particularly over the last year is a really exciting job to have. As the colleagues you work with also get excited about the future of the brand. I deal with a, a big cross-section of people and really love that, that teamwork element. Tell us more about that. A diverse range of people must invite a chorus of divergent opinions, but the new ghost feels so united in its execution. For me, it's it's unique and fascinating because actually there's very few places in the car industry where you have such a broad spectrum of people within the company together. So in Goodwood, you have everybody from the CEO, members of the design team, the sales team, And then as you move into production, we literally have the end-to-end production of a vehicle. So coming from raw hides of leather being delivered to seats being made, um, you know, body shells being delivered to beautiful painted shells coming out in bespoke colours. So you really have such a wide range of people on one site, and that's quite unique in the automotive industry. Normally, the sales functions and the design functions are separated by some miles from a production facility. Nowadays, I think the word handmade is overused. And when people come in and really see the extent to which the product is handmade and see it go from raw product to, to actually a finished vehicle, I think it's great to see the, the sort of enthusiasm that becomes infectious. The original Ghost that debuted in 2009 was already so refined and consequently loved. How did you retain its essence while building something else entirely? That is one of the one of the really big challenges. And I think where we've been very fortunate with New Ghost is that we were able to almost start with a clean sheet, but with a very strong sense of what our customers loved about that product. And to then very much think outside of the box, we were able to really look at not only what did we know we wanted to keep from the original Ghost, but also what had we learned from our customers on Cullinan and Phantom in terms of things like ride comfort and the simplicity of, of the interior. How do you think Rolls-Royce's perspective has advanced since the original Ghost launched? And also the customer's perspective, for that matter? We were able to draw knowledge from far more places than when we launched the original Ghost. We were going out into a fresh territory for us with a, with a much cleaner, more understated vehicle. 
And then as we moved into New Ghost, we were really able to subtly move the game on. Some details were really quite simple to move on a step. So if we look at things like the entertainment system in the car, that's moved on significantly in terms of the overall market. It was quite an interesting discussion to have that actually just because there are so many more features available worldwide now to everybody, it doesn't mean we should bring them all into our car. We really were able to take a step back and say, what is effortless? But other things were much, much more difficult to achieve. So, for example, the ride of the vehicle. We know that from original Ghost, there are a number of customers that enjoy driving the car themselves. And so when we came down to the detail of how the car should ride and handle, it's a much finer line then to have the discussion between, you know, we want to really cosset the customer. We want to give that magic carpet ride that they would expect. But at the same time, we need a car that is enjoyable to drive. So that really took more discussion and also experience to really look at one calibration or another, drive the car and, and get a collective feeling across lots of different departments about how we felt we should move forward with the car. When you talk about one calibration after another, it's clear that creating something effortless is anything but. Were there any other areas that required such nuanced development to reach an elegant solution? I would never claim to be an acoustic engineer, but I have until very recently managed the team of the guys that are responsible for the acoustics. And it's a very thin line to walk because people think in simplicity that you just make the car quieter. But it's not quite as simple as that because actually if you've ever sat in a very quiet room, you'll know that even the smallest noise can be very disturbing. Whereas if you're in a live music venue, you're probably not going to notice the way the person next to you is making a noise as they drink their drink. It's probably not going to be something that even registers. So actually, when you're looking at the acoustics of a vehicle, you really have to look at the whole package, that you you need a level of noise that the customer barely notices, but it's enough to prevent small noises becoming an intrusion. It's actually something that I never would have considered I would have had much of an interest in, but over the last few years, it really became something of a passion. In order to actually create an overall uh, ambient environment that is, as we always refer to it, harmonious, that actually nothing, nothing stands out. It's quite technical, but there's a certain geeky pleasure in that. It's also a very interesting journey to go on to get the car to a position where the customer not only won't notice noises, but what we're really looking for is for a customer to be positively surprised by how quiet the car is. And that's that's a step further from just a, a quiet vehicle. How would you describe the sensory difference between the old and the new Ghost? How perceptible is that change in sound? I guess you're expecting me to say there's a big difference. And, and I have is. no expectation. Um, there, there is definitely a big difference. Uh, the, the original Ghost, in, in terms of its acoustics, was already really class-leading. Um, in the new Ghost, what we've really worked on is a real uniform acoustic performance in just about every real-world use case. So the original Ghost, for example, on the motorway, if you're sitting at, at 70 miles an hour, very, very quiet. And then suddenly, if you have a, an expansion joint or something, we noticed that on occasions there was a sharper edge to the noise than you would perhaps expect. And so we really worked on, on fine-tuning it. 
So if you like, we didn't change the baseline of the acoustics. We just tried to work on those outlying occasions on which the car was just slightly outside what we would expect. And we worked quite creatively with suspension settings, with different acoustic dampening materials to try and really bring the spread of the acoustic performance much closer to what we what we wanted. And when John mentions that expansion joint, he's referring to the moment when you hit the joint in a road surface, a challenge for any suspension system. The idea of restraint runs throughout the new Ghost's design. It actually results in delivering more to the driver. Where does that contradictory theme manifest itself in the new model? That famous Rolls-Royce phrase, fingertip driving, comes to mind. All of our cars have a narrow diameter to the steering wheel, and that really does hark back to the sort of heritage of, of Rolls-Royces. And yes, it's true that they were you know, traditionally driven much more with a fingertip, and actually that's something that we've tried to preserve. One of the challenges we had was uh, we wanted to introduce some more technological features to the steering wheel, and actually we had to hold off for a number of years because to do so would have would have compromised the diameter because it was so important to us um, that those features didn't jeopardize the normal driving feel of the Rolls-Royce, that we actually determined our whole development timeline by the availability of components that would match the specification of what we wanted, which may sound a bit obsessive, but that is the reality. And so what I love when you sit behind the wheel is you really have that simplicity of the driving experience. And actually, when you feel how the wheel feels in your hand, how the gear shift actually is just effortless, you then begin to understand why we're so obsessive about some of those little details. Given how loud and intense the modern world feels, did the team elevate the importance of a calmer sensory experience? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And and really, what's been very impressive with the new Ghost, and I've remarked on this to several people, is often in, in Rolls-Royce, when you're on the production side of the business, you maybe don't always understand the messaging behind the marketing of the vehicle. And actually, with Ghost, when we went into it, it was very clear from day one that colleagues really wanted to emphasise this idea of simplicity and purity. Um, and actually, we initially didn't understand why some of the features inside the car, so the very, the very smooth surfaces, the the lack of any superfluous stitch lines on the leather and things like this, we didn't really understand why the vehicle was so simple and so so clean in its design. And then when we started to work with it and realise what we could achieve with the the drive chain and the acoustics and actually the the, the finishing of the car from the production side the whole picture really started to come together and particularly some of the team that had experience of driving other products on the same routes that we use suddenly really understood we're trying to achieve something that really is a kind of oasis of calm. And I think what you've said is absolutely right. Suddenly you realise that what a lot of our customers are after is, is if you like, mobile escapism, that they can just slip into the car and it really is a bubble that separates them from the outside world. It just cosets them. And I think that's really what we've been able to move on a step with, with the new ghost. Achieving the oasis of calm that John spoke about was no small feat. Reconciling complex technical elements with a tranquil aesthetic truly put the team through their paces. What processes helped them reject the superfluous? Which element took the most iterations to get just right? And at what point did they feel confident in having achieved a perfect expression of the brief? 
Here's color and trim designer Sina Maria Egel and lead interior designer Christoph. What I find so fascinating with interiors that you have helped create for the new ghost is that they do feel like interiors, not necessarily like car interiors, but like nice quality interiors. How do you achieve that? I think this is what we are aiming for. We don't want to create a standard car. And also we are probably inspired by different things than other car designers. We do look at the best hotels worldwide, the best restaurants. We research different kind of furnitures and we do want to create a piece of home for you. And what about the materials and the textures? How do you go about selecting them? So you always start with a lot of ideas every time. But while executing and while engineering the ideas, some of them will unfortunately lose their magic. And that can be incredibly, incredibly frustrating and you can be super sad and and you won't understand the world anymore and you will try to make them happen, but sometimes you just have to let them go. And there are these moments where some of your ideas actually will flourish with the engineering, with the execution. You can add different kinds of details that you haven't thought about before And those are the ones that you are looking for, because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that only the very best idea goes into the new Rolls Royce. It's interesting because when you study industrial design, you tend to work for multiple partners. It's not just one brand or one manufacturer that you're with. But the exclusivity of the place you work in now is that you are in the place that manufactures the finished product that you design. What does that bring to the design process that you are able to execute almost immediately your ideas with the craftspeople that are there? I think this is exactly what you need because otherwise you would lose the connection to the final product. What the Color and Trim team does every day long is that we define all the different colors, all the different material and textures. We also care about all different kinds of detailing, about seam lines or stitchings. You want to be there after every step of development to see how it has improved. Sometimes you see a result and you think it could be incredibly easy to be finished with this project, but um, you have to question if you really like it and decide if you want to move forward, try even more development, be creative in the design itself, like maybe the geometry has to adjust for the specific material or the other way around. So it's a lot of trial and error, and it means great cooperation between exterior, interior and color and trim design to achieve that. So everything has to stage each other to create that perfection. Chris, you've had to design for the future while also maintaining that signature Rolls-Royce elegance. How does that design language come together? From an interior point of view, um, there is, in the history of Rolls-Royce, small cues, and it's a lot of it is actually very subtle things. So, for example, the fascia, it's almost like a fireplace. You look inside a room, the fireplace is, is front and centre. So there's a prominence to the fireplace in a room. And what we do at Rolls-Royce is we let, the actual fascia, the dashboard, if you will, sit higher than the doors. We give it a prominence. And second to that, what we do is we actually create surfaces that give this suggestion that this huge monolithic volume is floating. So you think, how can something so big float? You know, they're small little design cues. Um, And then we've got our heat controls, you know, the hot or cold, and even down to the light switch controls. 
are actually inspired by kind of like a starry night. The actual buttons themselves are kind of in a constellation. It's all these small references to history, um, but very subtle. You don't want to force it too much that it becomes neo-retro. And a Rolls-Royce customer is a bit more sophisticated than that. So you have this balance of heritage and modernity and you've just got to judge it just right. And I think we've done that with New Ghost. How did you know when you'd reached the purest expression of the New Ghost? The main thing we've learned from our previous motor cars is that, you know, less is more. And people appreciate the way we approach the previous cars with this kind of furniture-like uh, aesthetic mixed with this kind of dynamic edge. With New Ghost, we've embraced that. So we've added more of a dynamic edge. Um, but the minimalism, the simplification, the detoxification has also taken a step forward and we really have cleansed the whole interior. So there's only what you need there. If it's there, it's nice to touch. And we've really honed in on that for New Ghost. It took five years, six build faces and around 200 pre-series cars to get the new Ghost from Sketchpad to open road. The rebuild team stress-tested concepts, materials, finishes and sometimes each other's nerves along the way. Much of what was hotly debated centres around the Bauraum, the installation space that's available to engineers when executing a designer's vision. How did design, engineering and production come together in order to synergize each complex layer? Here to weigh in is Henry Cloak, who penned the external design of the new Ghost. Why is making things simple so complex, in your opinion? Yeah, I think one side of it is actually it takes a lot of thought to purify what you even want to do. So it's a bit like if you want to explain something to somebody after you've tried it 10, 15 times, by the 16th person you can probably explain it more simply than you could the first time. So one is just getting your head around what the target is and constantly purifying and distilling that idea. And the other thing is to make something visually simple means probably each individual part is going to be bigger. Throughout the series, we presented the new ghost as Rolls-Royce's purest expression yet. Purity and minimalism tend to go hand in hand, but are they actually the same thing? Um, if I had to sum up ghost, I'd go closer to the purity because it's not like we started wanting to be minimal. We started wanting to create you know, this pure essence and it to be this mood and feeling that we felt was right rather than we strictly aim to take things away. And you're uniquely placed really as a designer to understand which part of the new ghost represented the biggest challenge when it came to making the complex simple. Can you recall any of the heated negotiations that are sticking in your mind through this process? <laughs> There's bits that are more challenging than others. So whether it's how the bonnet now closes around the spirit of ecstasy, that was a, a new thing for all of us to work out. And there's this thing of, yeah, you want to get the car and all of the engineering to work together. And I think part of our job as a design team, and there's lots of visualization tools to do this, is to kind of almost work out which millimeters are worth more than others. So there's some places where you can move things and you can adapt and there's some areas of a car where every fraction of a millimetre you were going to have a challenge. And were the particular design references you kept circling back to in order to stay grounded in your vision? I think since we all sort of sat together at the very start of the project and worked out you know, what character did we want to get, it was these clean minimalist buildings and a generally light, bright, sort of optimistic view. So how we could do 
clean and simple, but without something being stark. I think that was key, that we wanted it to still feel somehow friendly. I'm going to bring John into this discussion, since he lives at the centre of where design and engineering meet. Were you, or were your teams, always on the same page? When you work in a purely engineering-based profession, you ignore sometimes the, the the beauty of things and you concentrate on functionality and time plans and these kind of things, which is which is great. But when you come to Rolls-Royce and you work with the design team that are trying to preserve the authenticity of the design of a Rolls-Royce, when you start to understand the motivation of different areas and how people work differently and why they're so important to the overall picture, that collaboration is really exciting. But to collaborate you have to understand that not everybody works in the same way that you do. And that's sometimes a challenge for, for engineers, because if somebody hasn't got a neatly formatted timing plan and they want to change their minds later on, it can sometimes be very frustrating for us. But actually, if you take a step back and realise why they're doing it, it makes, makes working together very exciting. A sense you're speaking from experience Yes, there. absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, And it's interesting because that process is one of negotiation between all the different aspects of the Rolls-Royce team. Yes. And in terms of that, do you remember any particular heated arguments or tense moments where you really had to stand your ground or move forward your thinking to make something happen that maybe you didn't think was possible to start off with? I wouldn't say heated arguments quite. I think we're all... That's good. I'm happy to hear. We're far too sophisticated for that. But actually, when we look at some of the smaller design details, things that perhaps you wouldn't even consider, like the tread plates on the interior, for example, the design colleagues had a very uh, clear brief about how they wanted those to look in terms of how they flowed into the the A-pillars, into the lower leather finishes in the car. And from a production point of view... It was a, a big problem for us because to yeah to fit a, a metal part um, right up against a leather part and create a nice flush flowing surface, it looks beautiful in sketches, um, but unfortunately in the real world we need to assemble the part onto the vehicle, and it has huge potential risk of of causing damage to the leather surface, and therefore causing quality problems on the vehicle. So, on that we really had to work closely with our design team to see how we could. Um, make a a nice defined gap um, in order to enable a really lovely aesthetic, but actually also have something that from a production point of view, we are happy to say, yes, we can deliver this consistently, repeatedly, and to the quality level that you would expect. So it's really in those fine details where I think we've we've had the discussions. Equally, when we look at the, the way that the car is made up, the fact that If you're building a six metre long vehicle, it will naturally have tolerances. We then have to have those really detailed discussions with our design colleagues to say, okay, which gaps between panels on the vehicle, between parts on the vehicle, which gaps are absolutely critical for a customer? So, for example, around the grill and the front end, this is really the jewel of the car. So these gaps are critical to how the customer observes the car and the impression of quality that they get. And what methods helped to bring about resolutions during the rebuild? Was the full-scale clay model that the design team relied on a useful meeting place, for example? With the design model, we've been really proactive colleagues from uh, my team. What they did at a very early stage was they spent time with the designers and with the engineering colleagues at the design model and really looked at, at how different gaps and profiles were 
designed and defined to say to, to get an understanding very early on of where we might have problems producing the level of accuracy in a certain area that was required and maybe look at other areas where actually we could afford to be much more precise than, than we'd originally discussed. So being at that model is really unique because no amount of looking at a CAD screen can really prepare you for what the vehicle looks like when you see it under natural lighting from different angles in different paint colours, etc. And going back to the beginning, did the designer's mood boards come into it? Did they offer a way in for the production side? As an engineer, when you're first presented with a mood board, it's something a bit overwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's something that is quite outside of my normal comfort zone. But again, with, with Ghost, it really helped me to get a feeling for what we're trying to achieve here and actually what each of the products in our portfolio stands for and design themes running through each of those models and therefore how new Ghost fits into that portfolio and what the customer experience should be. It was, it was really great to understand that. I love the idea of a mood board being overwhelming to an engineer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it did take a little bit of time sitting in a cold, dark room just to get my head around what I was looking at. But it was yeah, a great experience. John, you're one of the very few people in the world who has driven the new Ghost. Tell us about the first time you were behind the wheel. I guess there's very few people in the world that have experienced it, but the moment where you press the start-stop button on a new vehicle that basically almost nobody has ever driven on the road and you just go out into the night in a brand-new camouflage Rolls-Royce that nobody else has ever experienced before. And again, it's a real pinch-yourself moment to think that if I look back with, with New Ghost, with New Phantom, with Cullinan, with the original Ghost, on all of those products, I was one of the very first people to ever have that experience of driving out of the plant. And again, in a, in a very different way, it's obviously quite a magical experience driving out in a camouflaged car. And suddenly to see this sort of mix of confusion and interest on people's faces as you just sort of slip past in a in a rather large camouflage vehicle. And people initially aren't quite sure whether you just have a strange taste in exterior colour schemes or whether there's something really unique going on. But those are moments that I guess very few people have ever had the privilege to experience. Sorry, what does that process involve? It's it's not as scientific as you would imagine. Um, <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where actually the more crudely you camouflage the vehicle, the better it is. Because <laughs> really the whole idea is that we want to protect the design features of the vehicle from the camera. Part of my role is to make sure that even a prototype vehicle is produced to the highest quality standards possible. And then that will run through our complete test process. We'll work hard on making it as beautiful as possible. And at the end of it, we we cover it with camouflage and spray paint the wheels black and cover the headlights. So it can be quite a heartbreak. Well, for someone like myself, who's not only a car enthusiast, but actually I'd quite happily spend more time cleaning my car than driving it. And so that whole process can be quite heartbreaking. And how does the new Ghost feel at your fingertips? There is a real depth to the ability of the car. And yeah, personally, I, I spend a lot of time driving all of the different models that we produce. And it's funny when you say that people sort of remark that, oh, they, they must be difficult to drive or they must feel huge on the road. And actually... When you're able to say truthfully that actually the car just shrinks around you and just feels right, and they are just lovely things to pilot. After five years of exhaustive design, debate and engineering, the new Ghost has shaken elegance down and rewired it for the next decade. 
To achieve a car that faces firmly into the future of luxury, the Rolls-Royce team focused on two things. First, intuitive design that highlights the luxurious nature of thoughtful simplicity. And second, a refined yet amplified driver experience. Don't miss the last episode of this special series, when we finally reveal the new ghost in its entirety and divulge insider insights along the way. I'm Johanna Agerman-Ross, design editor and curator, and this is Ghost Stories. Hi, I'm Henry Cloak from the design team of New Ghost. A quick end note for our listeners. If you'd like to find out more, please contact your nearest Rolls-Royce dealership.